Welcome to the Butts and Seats Podcast, episode number 59. 59, we're almost there, one more. Yeah, the thing is, it feels like we're two away from the big thing. Like, I really know, enough, 60 just feels like... To me, the big thing is when we get to start the show with a shot. So, like, that's a big thing to me. I mean, totally we can in any we can other always, episode. but it's like a benchmark. Yeah, I mean, if anything, we probably should have done one today. To be honest, yeah. Just so our listeners know, we've been celebrating prior to recording this podcast. So, um, take this episode with a, a giant grain of salt i mean everything we say is like our honest true opinions but we might be a little bit more um, happy about it well <laughs> i don't know we might be in better spirits oh well i was gonna say i mean we're just uh, embodying the the spirit of one of the segments later on but emily why are we so happy <laughs> literally about five hours ago four hours ago nick and i received a call that an offer has been approved on a house that we just put an offer down on so we are technically homeowners we're in the process of being homeowners yes which is a huge deal we're so excited and the space that we're moving into is so beautiful and so incredible and i'm so excited and we probably won't have to hold for planes flying over we won't have to hold for planes we won't have to hold for cats running on the floor above us it's now that we don't absolutely love where we live right now it's just it's gonna be so nice to have our own space i'm so excited i can't speak for dogs i know that was an issue for the first um 15 episodes Oh, it's holding for dog barks? Yeah. yeah. That's a whole different thing. I mean, if we have our own dog, we'll probably love the barks a little bit more. Sure. Yeah. It's like when you're a father. You hate other people's kids, but you love your own kid. No, I'll hit my kid, too. I don't think so. But today, we're here to talk about the October 4th, 1999, Monday Nitro. We're already in October. We're nearing a year in the timeline. We're getting there. And we are, what, 10 days from the Vince Russo premiere? Well, the era starts with a nitro, so we're 14 days away, but... Okay. Well, we're close. Yeah. No, this this is the second to last one. Eek. But the thing of note from this show is that it is in Kansas City, Missouri, in the Kemper Arena, and as mentioned at the end of last episode, this is the arena in which Over the Edge 1999 was held, which that pay-per-view is known for the death of Owen Hart. Yeah, which kind of does hold a great cloud over this episode, here and there, I think they handle it well, and I think it does help that it wasn't this company. Yeah, it does. So there's not a weird guilt situation going on here. But let's talk a little bit about the ratings for this show versus uh, versus Raw. This show did a 2.9 down from last week, but apparently the Owen Hart tribute kind of quarters actually did do a pretty decent number, just the rest of the show did not. Raw did a 5.9, which is also down from wow. last week. That's still massive jump. Yeah, it's mean it's technically over double. Wow. Did anything notable happen on the Raw, or is it just not WCW? I'm trying to figure out if this was pre-taped because th- this was the first Raw after one of the UK pay-per-views, and sometimes they like double up the weekend before. Mm. But um, yeah, not too much to note. We'll note one weird crossover later in the night. But <laughs> yeah. It's not a super notable Raw. But it just did really well comparatively. But let's get into this show. We start as we kind of did last week with just a random backstage segment. Uh, Goldberg arrives in his car. He parks it in a space and Sid sneakily takes note of this. Emily, what space number is Goldberg in? I don't know about you, Nick, but I'm feeling 22. You want to play 21. I play 22. I don't know about you. I'm feeling 22. You want to play blackjack? I got too many of those too. Nah. We're making very different references. Yeah, we are. I don't know if we recognize each other's references. 
I know yours. I don't know yours. <laughs> Heroes of Wrestling, which actually happens on the Sunday after this show. Yikes. Uh, spoilers, we will not be reviewing that, at least in the timeline. Pay me some money and then I'll consider it. Blame Stephanie. She didn't pick it. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Stephanie McMahon for a second. Like, Blaine the, McMahon. <laughs> the creator of women. Anyway. We go from that to the Nitro opening, then the weekly recap, and the opening pyro. And there is a rumor from the Wrestling Observer about the opening pyro. And Emily, do you want to tell the uh, the people at home about this rumor? I don't know. Do I? Was it the opening pyro? I guess it would have been. So Nick told me about this at dinner tonight, honestly. The referee, Brian Hildebrand, who we honored a couple episodes ago in his death. It was like an in, in memoriam of Brian Hildebrand. Yeah, a few um, of the people came out with the black armbands. Yes, exactly. It was a big deal. He passed away fairly recently. Apparently, there is a theory that his ashes... That, that he asked. He he put in his last will and testament, he asked that his cremated ashes be incorporated into the pyrotechnics of Nitro. Which, I don't know enough about ashes to be like... I don't know if it's possible. Well, well I'm saying... Aren't ashes already burned items? They can be burned more. I guess so, but I don't know. But, but my first thought of this, I didn't know if it was the opening or if it was just incorporated throughout the entire show's pyro. When Nick told me this, my first thought was, did Goldberg ingest the ashes when he breathed in the smoke? And I did point out to Emily that in, in order for these to burn, it would have to be the hot pyro. And the Goldberg pyro is much more likely than not cold pyro. Still. I don't know. It, Apparently, his I widow was on true. site, so it's possible. I don't. I, I've not seen this anywhere Ugh. else, but I just kind of came across this, and I was like, "Oh God, maybe." Honestly, I kind of hope it's not true because that's gross. You don't want to go out that way. You know, see, that's the thing. I don't not want to go out that way. I think it's a cool way to go out, but the fact that that pyro is going to be rained over a bunch of people, like, I don't want to have a little bit of a uh, Hildebrand on me. You know, if you're gonna light me on fire and shoot me off into the world shoot me out to sea i don't want to bother other humans let's move on a little bit bobby and tony check in main event for tonight apparently is hulk hogan and rick flair versus sting and the total package nope luger this is another curly bill situation isn't it no no curly bill all honestly maybe yeah because they're all stupid i was gonna say curly bill stupid no total package is also stupid we're gonna call him lex luger sorry no i'm not calling him the total package Tony does acknowledge the Owen Hart factor here tonight and says, like, okay, like here's what we're doing. Later on tonight, we're doing Bret Hart versus Chris Benoit. The match Bret requested. More or less saying, this match is non-canon. Like, you know, there's, there's no, no storylines, no, no titles. And I thought it was fairly tastefully done. It was. I mean, we'll have more to say about this match as we get to it. I just can't imagine being Bret Hart and having a match in this ring tonight. Yeah. I wouldn't be here. Again, I, I think it was his idea. I but, could not imagine. Yeah. And then we go from that to a Slim Jim ad. And it's always, <laughs> it was random when they actually include these as opposed oh, to yeah. leaving it like, in the cutout commercial break. Dig it. Well, then we go to our first match tonight. It's a rematch from last week that I was very happy to see. It is Dean Malenko versus Rey Mysterio. They do note that Rey Mysterio is the only filthy animal in attendance. Remember that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Neither of these men come out to entrances. It's just like, all right, we come back from commercial. They're in the ring. Yeah. Which feels rude. Yeah. It's just like offensive almost. I did show Emily this past week, Ray versus Eddie at Halloween Havoc 97. Which, which is amazing. I know. And I 
God, what an amazing match. I pulled up Halloween Havoc and she's like, what? I get triggered seeing the, the term Halloween Havoc now. I don't feel like I should because I've only had one bad Halloween Havoc, but it was pretty bad. And even then, it was better than most of the shows after don't it. Don't tell me that. The other Halloween Havoc we watched was great. But the match starts 50-50 wrestling early on and it's is you know as good as you, as you would expect. Dean gets a leg bar in on Ray, but Ray gets the ropes. Ray gets vaulted up and, and hits a drop kick and then gets vaulted into the ropes and hits a springboard Hurricane Rana. And it's another one of these matches where like, I just want to watch. I don't want to no take. Honestly, yeah. We get an interesting note from commentary that uh, I think I already told you where it's like, yeah, Psychosis uh, won the Cruiserweight title over the weekend. Didn't say where. Cool. Thanks, guys. It's like, and he'll be facing Disco Inferno. Cool. No mention of Lenny. No mention of Lodi. Forget they're about just, them. They're just gone. Bam. They non-factor. Which is just such a kind of like... It's a bummer. I don't, I'm not sad that I'm not going to see them wrestle again, but like, I don't like seeing characters entirely written out, especially if they have a title. Yeah. You, you want to see them lose. You don't want to see them just yeah, and it's like, erased from existence. It's a little bit of closure. Like, it's not good closure, but even if like we knew they lost, then they disappeared. Like, that'd be better than them just disappearing. Yeah. We get a Mexican surfboard stretch from Dean, which is then turned into a pin combo. Then get an ankle lock from Dean as he starts to work over the legs. Ray drops Dean to the floor and then hits a flipping senton onto the floor. Dean catches a springboard Hurricane Rana and turns it into a clover leaf, but Ray gets to the ropes. That was a cool move. Dean tries a technical pin, but only gets a two. Ray then runs up the ropes and hits an arm drag. He tries for a tilt-to-whirl something, but Dean turns <laughs> it into a sidewalk slam. They do a double clothesline to like knock both men down, but they do it so fast it almost looks like a boss man slam. Because like mm. they cause like they, they get like some spin out of it. It's like, Jesus. It was really nice. Ray springboard drop kicks Dean to the floor, and then we get Shane Douglas running out like a motherfucker. In case you wanted to ruin this match again, here you go. Yeah, the ref's distracted with something. So Douglas gets in the ring, Perry Saturn comes in to stop him, and then grabs the chain from Douglas and then punches Ray. So swerve. Dean locks in the cloverleaf, and he's not seeing what happened, but Ray taps out. Post-match, he sees the interference on the Titantron, which I did laugh because... They're showing the footage and they cut to Dean seeing the footage. Mm -hmm. And then on the Titantron, they cut to Dean seeing Dean. And he's like, I don't know, keep playing the footage. But he shakes Ray's hands afterward and it's like, a, look, I didn't know. Like, I feel like shit. Yeah. I'm sorry. Which is nice. Shane Douglas is just ruining everything and he needs to get the hell out of this company. Fuck this man. I think he's around for I quite a while. I don't care. I wrote amazing first 98%. Yeah. But fuck the finish and but also i guess that's the point i guess there were points though where i was looking over at you watching this and you were just gushing you were obsessed with this match as it was as it was happening yeah you're like dean i'm like right yeah it was it was really it's always so fun to see you like obsessed over these matches yeah and they actually got time this week so I was like okay yeah but you know fantastic match fantastic match bummer ending yeah as usual i i am glad they got more time listen we, we did not cut to sid entering midway yeah. through this thank god We'll talk about Sid a little more later. Yeah. And um, we need to have a little chat up next because post-match commentary pushes a competition where it's like, all right, the winner is going to get win tickets to New Year's Evil. <laughs> and I'm like, that uh, that show does not happen. Why does this show not happen? It's basically a budget issue where they go, hey, maybe this multi-million dollar Kiss concert pay-per-view isn't going to make us money. I could have told you that, though. Yeah, but you have to tell Eric Bischoff that. Eric Bischoff's an idiot. Yeah, so I think it's like, I think it's fairly soon where it's just like, yeah, no, we're not, do we're not doing that. But they're still at the point right now that they're advertising tickets and such. 
Yeah. Yikes. I did look. They this this gets turned into like a themed nitro. So I think whoever won tickets won tickets to that nitro. Not quite as big as a pay per view. No. Weirdly enough, I think it's like what AEW is doing now, where they'll just have like special themed episodes of Dynamite or Rampage. Oh, are they doing that? Yeah, every now and again. We haven't really been paying attention to their TV stuff. Which we are going to. Yeah, we are. Yeah, on top of buying a house today, we also bought tickets. a big day. Yeah, we bought tickets to the Baltimore show. Woo! To AEW. Yes. Not WWE. Yeah, we're going to Philly for them. Hell yeah. We have two wrestling shows coming up in the future on on our calendars. I'm pumped. Let's move into our second match tonight. It's the Cruiserweight title match mentioned in the last match. It is Psychosis versus Disco Inferno. Disco fever. Disco's fucking gear. Jesus Christ. This outfit. Oh my God. And Psychosis needs a gear change. It just looks like he's missing a mask. Okay, so I think with his mask as elaborate as it was, the ratio of mask to hair really worked. But because he has so much hair and no mask, I think he's got to do something. I think it's that because he's... Like, legitimately wearing knockoff Power Ranger gear. Power yeah. Rangers wear masks. Honestly, yeah. And sorry, I didn't watch the most recent movie if they didn't wear the masks for, like, 90% of it. I don't know. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't at me. I don't know. It could be. So I definitely saw your ears perk up a little bit uh, when this match started. And on commentary, Tony notes that WCW has signed Vince Russo and Ed Ferreira. This is the first time they're mentioning Vince Russo on WCW television. <laughs> it's like a hype, yeah. Well, no, because they have officially signed him. Yes. Because... Because as I mentioned earlier, WWF was in the UK for their pay-per-view. Yeah. And so the two of them were like, oh, we need to stay behind and write the show. And in reality, they were signing contracts. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. We'll talk more about Vince Russo on the Vince Russo Nitro because there's a lot understandable about the deal and there's a lot, you know, not quite, not stuff we would necessarily agree with. Hmm. Although I think one that you, you actually agree with and I don't is, in his opinion, TV matches should never be longer than seven minutes. Agreed. But you're also the person who gets the main event and you're like, ooh, uh, we're not out of time here. Okay. There's a difference between matches should never be longer than seven minutes and let's squeeze this massive event into four minutes. There's a difference because also those massive events have intros. Like, can you do Goldberg and Ric Flair and Hogan in four minutes with just their intros? Like, no, that's, that's it. That's all the time you have. There's a difference. What are you, Tony Schiavone? It's all time we have, folks. <laughs> but if you, uh, if you have a time machine and you, and you can go back to this date, you can talk with the two writers tomorrow on WCW.com. So do they are they signing overnight right now? I think they're signed at this point. Thanks. Yeah, because neither one had, had a contract. Damn, the queen dies and all of a sudden they're gone? How rude. Joke's going to be less and less timely with every day it takes me to edit this. I'm going to take a nice long while so that joke no. just really ages. She's still dead. She's going to be dead regardless of when you when you put this out. Has it been three days? Do we know for sure? Her funeral's on Monday. We're going to date this podcast. There's, there's a match going on here. Um, we got a head scissor and a drop kick to start from Psychosis. Psychosis hits a crossbody to the floor and then back inside, Disco hits his swinging neckbreaker. Psychosis hits a top road Frankensteiner, but it only gets a two. He then counters a Disco dive with a spin kick. He also hits a f- sit-out front-falling suplex. I'm realizing how much of this match is just his offense, the more I'm looking <laughs> at my notes. Yeah. Psychosis misses a diving leg drop, and then Disco hits a last dance and gets the pin. New Cruiserweight champion, the Disco Inferno. Disco fever. You got it? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
actually wasn't a bad match. It just, definitely wasn't a bad just match. Just a surprising finish. We were like, uh, we were like, okay, well, clearly. It wasn't a bad match, but the fact that Disco Inferno now has the title kind of makes me lose interest in the division. He's not a big guy, but I'm almost surprised he, you know, qualifies under the weight limit. Right. But like, it's just know, like, he's stout. I, I can sell, I can see him as a cruiserweight. He's just not an interesting wrestler to watch. And the cruiserweight division always has the interesting wrestlers. They're the flippy wrestlers. They're the high-flying wrestlers. Like, they're more fun to watch. You know, I'm realizing he's actually part of the first cruiserweight match we ever watched on this podcast. Really? Yeah, because it was him versus Hoovy to figure out who was going to face Kidman later in the night. Oh, wow. Disco won, and then I think Hoovy got a title shot the next night. And it was like, what? what was the point? There was no point. It's fine. Oh, and when Disco wins, he has about six seconds to celebrate, and then we go backstage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's not a lot of time to celebrate in this. Sid talks to somebody on the phone and then is told his match is next. So It's not. I mean, it it's the next match. I guess. We got a little bit of time. Well, he has like a minute or two. Well, I mean, what could possibly happen in between now and him getting to the ring? Nothing. Right? 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 What, what's, your, what's your first note here? Oh, God, please no. Okay, well, mine is, oh, God, the outsiders are here. We knew peace for two months. Okay, when was Red Wild? We knew peace. We no longer know peace. The fucking outsiders are back. Scott they Hall are, and Kevin are, Nash are in the audience. They are here. I need, I need to correct your, your statement from last week. There is no nachos. They are double fist and beers. No, you're right. I totally missaw that thumbnail. Yeah, so they're, uh, it's, it's Hall and Nash, double fist and beers, walking through the crowd, this is the longest way possible to get to two ringside seats. You're telling me that they didn't want to go the way that got them the most audience attention? And then they uh, they go to their seats and they're sat beside some babes. Bobby Heenan, credit to him, being a little bit of a journalist, is like, okay, well, I'm going to go see what the fuck is up with this and goes to like interview him. Because it makes sense that you would. Yeah, you know Bobby Heenan, the journalist. He's no uh, Michael Cole. Yeah. He's no war correspondent. <laughs> he more or less asks, like, what's happening and i think you thought scott hall was fucking up for a second and then he just drops a hey yo i thought he was fucking around i didn't think he was fucking up okay i saw you kind of like gesture and he did the line and you're like i got me yeah bobby asked like what are you guys doing here it's like oh you know we were we were at a party down there goes, down, down where he's like oh can we say that now it's like what, what fucking joke were you going for it's such an in joke that like it wasn't even funny yeah nash says he's retired and Hall refers to this as Nash is working a retirement angle. And trying to convince him to come back. Bobby asks, like, all right, so when are you going to be back? We'll be back when it's fun again. Bobby's like, oh, it's fun now. You must not be in the locker room, pal. Yeah. And I'm like, Which, like, I do this? respect, I guess. Like, yeah, it probably isn't very fun. It's very political. It's very, like, you know. Kevin, Kevin Nash is the one making it political. I assumed it was, like, Sid, too. <laughs> no. Hogan? Hogan's back yeah. there? Hogan, yeah. <laughs> Randy Savage was back there for a while. Like, Scott Hall hasn't been there for like, a while. Look, the stuff that he hasn't been privy to, like, think about what he was used to when he left. Look, the biggest Sid politicking claim right now is, ooh, I have allergies. I don't want to face Van Hammer. Like, the, the scale is very different. When Scott Hall was last back in the locker room, there was Sid, there was Hogan. No, Sid wasn't even there then. I guess not. Hogan, Ric Flair, Randy Savage, all that bullshit. Yeah, it probably wasn't very fun. I don't even know if Savage was back. Weirdly it's enough. It's been a while. Yeah. But, like, there's not been a lot of fun people I am sure I can imagine to be around. I don't blame him, but, like, it's still, don't be a dick. Yeah, so Bobby presses for a date, and they're like, ah, we're, we're busy. And they put their arm around, around their dates. 
And then Nash clearly has a line he has to hit. And he's like, we're getting the band back together. And that's it. But, but I think, he says that about four times. I think we understated how fucking drunk these men either are or seem. Oh, they're absolutely blasted out of their mind. It's one of those where like, God, we're hoping for Scott Hall's sake. They're not. But It's a little sad seeing Scott Hall and knowing how drunk he is. But Kevin Nash is the one that gives it away. Yeah. And very different reasons, I would believe, either of them are drunk. Yeah. You know? One is like, you have a problem. The other one is just, you don't give a shit. Yeah. Especially because they're only here for so long. Yeah, they're here for a couple matches. Well, the first match they're here for is Brian Adams versus Sid Vicious for the U.S. title. This is such a useless squash match. Or as I wrote in my notes again, I can't stop Sid Viscous. Viscous? <laughs> I can't. I just I can't type the word vicious. I don't know why. That red viscous liquid. That red vicious liquid. I did jokingly note no kiss demon attire for Brian Adams, which based on the upcoming thunder is actually a little bit less of a joke than I realized Oh, because I got some character clarity on um, two characters we've seen on, on nitro in the past several months. And I'll start with the, the non, I told you so one, the first person, but these two are facing each other. First person in this match is Dale Torborg. Now, do you remember why you remember the name Dale Torborg? Not a clue. He was the Kiss Demon who replaced Brian Adams. So when we first saw the Kiss Demon, was that Brian Adams? It was Brian Adams. When Kiss performed, it was Brian yeah. Adams. Then the next week when I think, I don't, I don't think he even had a match. I think it was when he like called out Vampiro. Yeah, which that went nowhere. That was Dale Torborg. Oh, okay. Dale Torborg shows up in a baseball gimmick, like wearing like pinstripe pants, oh. like like face paint looking like a base, like a black and red baseball. He will go back to being the demon. Maybe legal had had a look at the contract and go, oh shit, we need to actually have him be a wrestler. <laughs> oh, and additionally, they're like, oh, what a great debut for this guy. He's wrestled as Dale Torborg. Oh, has he? Yeah, like it's not like you know, it's not like two matches on like Thunder or Saturday Night, but huh. he's wrestled for WCW before. Well, is this is this his like Nitro debut? Or but, are they like spinning that? I don't know. No, but it was on Thunder. Remember? Benefit of the doubt here. I don't know. But the person he was facing, who was also making their in-ring WCW debut, is a character called the Maestro, <laughs> aka the Pianist from the Sid segment. Oh my god! And there was no mention of Sid. And it was actually kind of hilarious on commentary. I'm going to... Okay, so you said this was the... I told you so. This is the I told you. I'm going to stand by my initial guess, though, of, like, this has something to do with Sid. This is two fucking months after the initial showing. No, you're going to tell me they didn't rewrite this character? No, 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 no. This is... No, I'm, I'm sticking with my initial guessing. I do feel like you'll appreciate Larry Zabisco's reaction to seeing him. Who the hell is that? Well, more or less, because... Mike today is like, oh, we all remember his debut. And Larry's like, more or less, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you don't remember that? Like, I I guess. Not really. Wasn't all that memorable. It's fucking weird. Didn't think it was a wrestling debut because he was playing a fucking floating piano. But, you know. I'd be 100% sure. I think he came out to the same song. So I'm almost wondering, was he not actually playing the piano that one day? Oh, absolutely he wasn't fucking playing the piano. It was I, miming. I wanted to believe. No. It's still real to me, Dan. This it. is wrestling. Nothing's real. Yeah. So the match on this show is Brian Adams versus Sid Vicious, and Charles Robinson is the referee. But, like, why is it Brian Adams? More importantly, why is Brian Adams on offense for most of this match? That was another weird part. Like, this should have been a huge squash match, and it just 
wasn't. Like, Brian Adams got a good amount of offense in this match. Yeah, the first thing that happens, he hits a suplex, and then clotheslines Sid to the floor. Yeah. And I'm like, what is happening? It didn't make any sense. And then they're back in the ring. He hits a fucking pile driver and has Sid pinned, but Rick Steiner has to come interfere. And I'm like, what? Way to put over your big guy. <laughs> what is happening? Rick distracts the ref. It fucking barely slows Adams down. I know he's not, but if I didn't know better, I'm like, are you going into business for yourself? Yeah, that's a good point. Like He's not, but it just the way this match is booked and put together, I'm like, it almost seems like he should have been. Adams hits a backbreaker on Steiner, and then Sid hits a powerbomb, like his one move of the match and wins. And then, just to add to the fuckery of this segment, Emily, did you write down what fucking number is on Charles Robinson's sign? 120 and oh. Do you remember what it was last week? Like 80 something? Yeah, like 84. Yeah. Keep in mind, assuming they want to have him get at the record by Halloween Havoc, that record is 173. Well, with this sort of map, I'm guessing we're going to get there. I don't know. Um, What the fuck was this match? Bad. You know, in a vacuum, it probably wasn't, but based on what you're trying to do, this is bad and confusing. Yes, absolutely. It definitely wasn't entertaining. It just, like, it was confusing. As a wrestling fan, it was confusing why Brian Adams got so much offense over this supposed monster of a man. And also, I complain about this more than I probably should, but, like, why was he getting a U.S. title shot? I mean, I'm not so mad about that. I'm just mad about, like, the the putting over of each other. Well, I guess this is just another week of um, squash matches that aren't really squash matches. Seriously, though. And we get a half example of that in our next match. It's Jerry Flynn with Jimmy Hart versus Goldberg. And I I did laugh at Jerry Flynn and Jimmy Hart come out. And I'm guessing the match was scheduled, but it comes off like Jimmy Hart is just calling Goldberg out. And it's just like, when are you going to learn? Your actions have consequences. I wrote this should go about 14 seconds. It doesn't. It doesn't. But it should have. Seriously, this really is just like last week where it's the night of matches that should be squash matches that are just not. I did like Goldberg doing his full entrance and in the middle of it when he's walking backstage, Sid is there yelling at Goldberg. And I'm like, okay, it, like, it makes it's, it feel yeah. like, like an active world as opposed to just like. And like we've pointed this out before too where it, like it does make sense for people to like either be watching Goldberg leave or like heckling Goldberg as he leaves. Like it makes more sense that way. So this is good. So Goldberg comes out, Flynn hits glancing blows until Goldberg just beats him down. The rest of the first family comes out and Goldberg hits a gorilla press on Flynn. Flynn distracts the ref as Morris and Nobbs beat Goldberg down. Mickey J kicks them out and Flynn works over Goldberg. Goldberg then chokes Flynn, tries to get Goldberg into an armbar, but Goldberg turns that into like a powerbomb type counter. Then get the spear, the jackhammer, and the pin. This was fun enough. I mean, it wasn't 14 seconds, but... The only Ooh. issue I had with this match, like, overall, is Jerry Flynn's kicks were about a mile shy. That's why I think I said glancing blows. Glancing. And... Like, you could see the potential, like, movement of the leg out your window from across the yard. Like, glancing. Yeah. Post-match, Goldberg grabs a mic and says Sid can play his mind games, but at the end of the month, Sid's ass is his. He also notes, still hopes to face Sid sooner, and I'm like, unless you're setting up the dark match for tonight, that's not gonna fucking happen. I don't so i think you're gonna wait until halloween havoc bud it's not my fault that you picked a match that has a six-week build he also says that sid is his and says that the u.s title is a stepping stone and he won't stop until he gets it back and i'm like wow way to put over the fucking title as yep. a stepping stone and not like a stepping stone yeah yeah 
Wow, what a big get. Didn't love that line there. Yeah, I mean, delivery-wise, it was fine. That line kind of annoyed me at the end, but we're really stalling on this. We're stalling and also somehow still rushing. I don't know. Yeah. How... Are you rushing or dragging? Both somehow. But you're not on tempo. Not my tempo. Then go backstage. Berlin talks German shit to Brad Armstrong, <laughs> who takes the language barrier personally. <laughs> it's like, talk American. What are you doing? Shut Come on. Fuck up. What a nationalist bullet piece of shit. Like. We then get Mean Gene in the ring and he notes, we are in America. And then brings out Harlem Heat. Hey, Mean Gene, what are the, um, what's the national language of the United States of America? American. Riddle me that. What are the, what's the national language? What is the national language of the U.S.? There isn't one. Sure. We are a melting pot. There are a million languages that are spoken in America. Granted, the two most, like, major ones are English and Spanish, but, like, Shut the fuck up. There's no national language. You can't say we're speak we're American and we speak English. No, that's not how that works, Bobby. Shut the fuck up. It was Gene. It feels like something Bobby would say, so I'm gonna stick with it. <laughs> hey, we ain't listening to no kraut talk around here. Shut up. Uh he, he brings out Harlem Heat. <laughs> so Gene notes that Harlem Heat will face the first family at Halloween Havoc, and I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Why? They've done nothing but lose the Goldberg. Why are you getting a tag title shot? At a pay-per-view, no less. Yeah. Yeah, there's no reason. Booger cuts a pretty good babyface promo. Not much a note, but it gets the crowd fired up. Stevie talks shit to Nobbs and Morris and calls them fat fruit booties. Rudy tootie candy asses. Booger notes the Wolfpack chants that are happening and then offers a challenge to Hall and Nash. In my brain, I'm like, that will, no. not, that will not go well for you, sir. No. One of them is still booking. Stevie Ray talks mess to them and then... Says something about political correctness? I didn't really get what he was I going for here. I wasn't really sure what he was going for there either. I didn't really make note of it, but like something along the lines of they can't say what they want to say. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the first family comes out and attacks Harlem Heat. And then the two teams brawl for a while. Hall and Nash taunt Booker T w- with their tickets. Like, no, we can be here. Like, we're not coming over. Like, we're here. We are spectators. Booker loosens his tie to hit a scissor kick. I'm like, yeah, there we go. Can't be too tight. Gotta loosen up. <laughs> And then Nobbs fucking kills Booker with a chair shot. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. And then he headshots Stevie Ray for good measure, too. I'm like, like damn, dude. Like, they owe you money? <laughs> they work over Harlem Heat with a chair, and uh, we get a no laughing matter to Stevie Ray, a diving splash to Booker from Nobbs, and the two pose over the champions. I mean, it is effective beatdown. I mean, we're a little long, I but I don't get why these two are in this spot to begin with. Oh, did you catch the, the dig on um, milk drinking? No. I think Booker was trying to imply that the first family looked like they drank a lot of milk as like a as like a con. They called them like milk drinking sons of bitches or something like that. How dare he? I know. I, I wrote it down as like a you would be you would take offense to this. Nick drinks a lot of milk. Kurt Angle those... hasn't even debuted yet. I don't even talk about Kurt Angle. Nick Nick drinks a lot of milk. We go through a lot of milk. I have a large gullet, all right? And he, he Who's that Pokemon for Nick? I am Pelipper. He has a large gullet and he values his bones. Get that calcium, baby. Hope, hope they don't hit me in my bones. Get that, you, that's okay if they do because you got that vitamin D. Let's move on to Emily's segment for each week. It is the Nitro Girls tryouts. Auditions, whatever we're calling them. Search. But we, we do start with the general tryout package. And Ricky Rackman was actually in the tryout package. But he was not at the show, thank God. No. Spice is back and Kimberly's with her. And uh, it definitely seems like they're trying to incorporate Kimberly out of the Nitro Girls. Yes. Because they don't, the Nitro Girls don't like her. She's hard to work with or something. I don't know. She's good. 
So apparently Jamie won last week. Don't remember which one Jamie was. Hopefully the right choice. Uh, no, she wasn't. That's the problem. Mm. So I can tell that from based on my question mark and exclamation point at the end of my notes. Same. She was not the like professional cheerleader and dancer. It was just like, a, I, like I like to dance. Right. So Jamie was very pop and lock. She was like the family oriented one that wants to like dance as a stress reliever. And she was going up against the Atlanta Falcons cheerleader who very much had a classic dance background and actually could dance and do well. So the fact that Jamie won just felt really wrong. But we continue that on to this week. So our two girls this week, their names are Lavina and Nicole. Now, Lavina works in Vegas as an acro dancer and she wants to be a physical therapist full time. I don't know. I can't remember if she is already starting to be a physical therapist. I wrote she is a physical therapist. Okay. So she, she has like a background in medicine. Like she has a full on career background and she's like dances for fun. And then there's Nicole. She's danced for 18 years in Chicago. She's just in it for the fun of the dance. She's not very good at it. I'm guessing in my brain she was cuter because I did write Nicole will will win. So did I. But I think we both decided that Nicole was going to win based on Jamie winning in Atlanta. The problem is Lavino's way too good for this role. She has way too much going for her. She doesn't need this. And honestly, taking this, I feel like would be a downgrade for her. So obviously Nicole's going to win. We don't know for sure, but like, obviously. Well, we'll find out next week in Biloxi. Biloxi, Mississippi, where I used to I used to live pretty close to Biloxi. Back in my day, I lived in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. Backstage, Goldberg goes to his car. His car is totally fine, so whatever Sib is planning just, just didn't work. He then seems to leave, and I guess we can confirm, based on other segments, he does. Okay. We then go to Brad Armstrong versus Kurt Hennig with Curly Bill and Kendall no! Williams. No! Match starts, Brad gets the better of Kurt. God, that is a sentence just bland. I literally... So, I'm sorry. I could not give two shits about this match. Yeah. Uh, they announced it and I said, who could care? Yeah. Because, like, what is Brad Armstrong's character? No. Kurt chops Brad as commentary notes Kurt's recent injury. I'm like, okay, I'm glad to confirm that he was out for a reason. Tony does point out at one point. It's like, yeah, it's kind of weird that Hennig is part of the uh, West Texas Rednecks since he's from Minnesota. And I'm like, we pointed this out. It took you ago. out. It took you this long. We pointed this out a long time ago being like, I don't think... Minnesota counts as the West Texas region. It's not even west of Texas. I mean, there might be a part of Texas that that stretches east enough, but I want to say it's directly north and then a little bit east. I don't think any part of Texas is directly south of Minnesota. So you're telling me that Kurt Henning is not a good old boy? I didn't say that. Hmm. Interesting. Finish of the match. It somehow takes Curly Bill, Kendall Windham, Berlin, and the wall for Hennig to get Armstrong in a perfect plex and gets the win. Ridiculous. And then Ber- Berlin locks in his hold afterwards. This was nothing, and I'm not excited for the match. Nope. Literally, who fucking cares? Apparently not the writers about Berlin. We can say that. No. Then go backstage to the Filthy Animals locker room. Um, Didn't think they were here tonight. Right. And uh, Ray is like, hey, yo, Billy, you got a match. And he runs out of the shower fully dressed. <laughs> kind of weird. Which, um, honestly, I was thinking about it. It kind of makes sense because his he always has like a wet look about him. Is Billy Kidman a never nude? Oh, interesting theory. <laughs> I, I, I will, like it. Actually, I doubt it based on this segment. Because <laughs> who, um, who appears from the shower after Billy Kidman runs out? That two-time in broad Tory. Listen, she left the zero and got with the hero. <laughs> No, I'm not saying she didn't upgrade. 
But, like, she's still technically cheating on David. So, like, that's not cool. It is a weird thing of, like, why isn't she just dumping David? Like, I'm not seeing any benefit to stringing David along. Maybe just having that connection with Ric Flair. But, like, Ric Flair also hasn't been in power in a while. Yeah. So. I don't know. Also backstage, apparently Sid needs to move his car for some reason. So he gives the valet his keys to move it. It's the same guy from last week. Yeah. Oh, he had a name. Fire this guy. He's not good at his job. Oh, I did note his name later. It's Moses. Moses. Oh, you said that earlier. Yeah, Moses. Yeah, so Moses has to move Sid's car for some reason. I don't really get why. Then we go to Billy Kidman's match, which he had to rush out of the shower. And uh, he is facing Juventud Guerrera. Juvi is rocking some black, yellow, purple, and red. And it's time for... Who's that Pokemon? All right, Emily, who you got? All right, so I went with Weevil. I know that he had more black than purple on him, but I kind of like the the black on Weevil is purplish. It's that like blue. It's tint. like blue, purple, gray, black tint. Yeah, it's when, so I combined the two colors. It's kind of like when well, we argued about this when one of us picked Torkoal, where it's like Pokemon doesn't like doing black; they like doing a weird tint that's like black implied, yeah, but not. But I figured the purple is like also doesn't Weevil have like the feather on its head that's purple. Sneasel has the Sneasel feather. Sneasel has the feather. Well, ironically, for some reason to me, Hoovy has big Sneasel energy, <laughs> not necessarily Weevil energy. Or Weevile, however it's probably I, pronounced. I think it was Weevil. Big Sneasel energy. What does that even mean? I don't know. I just look at Sneasel and I'm like, I think Hoovy could be that. <laughs> okay. What, what did you have? So I, I had my one main one and then I had two honorable mentions. Uh, I went with Seviper as my main one. Seviper. I don't know that one as well. It actually predates Weevil. It's Gen 3, but it was like a one-game exclusive one, so it's possible you, like, rarely encountered it. Ironically, it's kind of the substitute for one of my other honorable mentions, which is Arbok. Arbok, I know, obviously. Which is a lot more purple, but it has, it does have all the requisite colors in its design. And it has the red in, like, its face sort of area, too. A little bit. It has the red on on its chest. The lining. Weird, Weird, fun Pokemon fact. Arbok would actually have a different design on its chest, depending on the different generations. Like, they would just give it a new sprite each time. Oh. Yeah, so it would, until they went 3D. And that's also a weird element of this I was actually thinking about, where, because my other honorable mention is Gliscor. I do not know that one at all. It evolves from Gligar. And depending on which game it is, it either fits real well or it doesn't fit at all. Yeah. Because of how much the color changes. And once yeah. they went to 3D, everything the, changed. All the colors got so muted that it's like, oh. So, yeah, it definitely adds a weird wrinkle of, I don't want to be like, which generation sprite? Yeah, no. <laughs> and that gets to be too much of a breakdown. And I don't know the generation or the, like, the collection breakdowns or anything like that. So let's not do that. Let's keep it surface level. <laughs> yeah, honestly, you're, uh, I feel like the majority of your base knowledge comes from us playing Pokemon Master Trainer, which is, is a great the game. Card game? Oh, that's the uh, board game we have. We've only played that like twice, haven't we? We've played it more than that because we had the first one and the second one. Oh, we did play it a lot. We don't have the third one. So if you know how to get the third one, <laughs> let us know. It's a fun game. But third one's apparently very different. Oh. Anyway, should we get into this match? Well, I have a weather report for this match. Is there a hurricane coming? <laughs> what if? I want to say he does show up in WCW, so he'll show up. Not, not as the hurricane. my but, mind. Uh, no, through. there is a high chance of showers in this match. Because Bobby Heenan will not shut the fuck up about the previous segment of uh, Billy Kidman appearing, for, for, again, fully clothed, still weird, in the shower with Tori Wilson. 
That's true. And it seems like Hooventude like tried to join the shower because he came out so wet. Did he, he like try he to hop in with does. Tori after Billy left? He's always wet. He, it was like especially noticeable this time because he came out for his entrance and went to like one of the sides of the stage and just like shook his hair like a dog and it just sprayed everywhere. Now, did he do the thing where, because he's done this before where he has, he has like, like, like a water bottle or something and he's like splashing that up. No, it was all coming from his hair. I didn't see a water bottle at least. Yeah, and then Billy Kidman comes out and for some reason is back to having his entrance theme. Like, I don't get why last week they had the Filthy Animals theme and then this week he has his theme again. It's like, just pick one. There really doesn't seem to be much of a rhyme or reason when it comes to picking who walks out to what entrance music. I've kind of given up trying to figure out Conan versus Ray because I just can't do it. Well, at this point, he just comes out to Ray's theme. Yeah, but they were so similar for so long, you could tell me that they're different. And I'd be like, yeah, probably. In my brain, they have like two thumb drives of all the music and they keep like fucking them up and like, oh shit, which one are we using this week? Yeah, if I get this one, that works. And go. <laughs> So the match starts, they start off with hard strikes. Hoovy tries for an electric chair drop, but Kidman drops down and hits a back suplex. But Hoovy hits a diving Hurricane Rana, which you were like, what's that move? I like that one. <laughs> well, because Nick has been asking me what my favorite moves in wrestling are. And I don't know the names for well, anything. Well, that is one of the awards that we, we talked doing. about the awards. I didn't yeah, know. Yes. Okay. I, we I actually had to cut out me announcing the awards for the second time because <laughs> I forgot that I already done it. Well, the problem, as a lot of our listeners know, is I don't know the names of moves. So I say flippy spin kick, and that's not the technical term. Or like the spinny head scissor kick. That's apparently a diving hurricane rana. The more you know. I don't know the technical term. So every time I see a move that I'm like, ooh, I like that one. I have to get Nick to tell me what it's called, and I write it down. Now, I, I, I need to ask potential spoilers. Will Billy Kidman's Shooting Star Press be your no. best? Yeah, okay, good. I just wanted to, like, wanted to start the campaign now of, no. like, make Emily pick something else. No. Billy Kidman's on my list, though. Yes. He's also on Tori's list. Oh. You heard it here first. Tori Wilson will be submitting awards now. <laughs> God. So the two trade pins until Kidman German suplexes Hoovy onto the apron, like sort of, and then drop kicks him off. Hoovy begs off and then Kidman pretends to play along and which doesn't even work. I'm like, wait, were you faking it? Because Hoovy then hits a tornado DDT. And in a weird move, we talked about Raw potentially being taped earlier. Mm. Hoovy hits the people's elbow. And it's very obviously the people's elbow. Yeah, he does the kick the arm in, the weird arm cross. Shimmy. The, like, what's the arm cross thing meant to be? I don't really. It's like a conductor almost. Yeah, but I, like, how does that relate to the rock or know. the people? Or No, but he, but the rock does oh, that. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying. Oh, in general. This is my issue with the people's elbow. This is totally different. <laughs> yeah. He th- does the whole song and dance of it. Yeah, and I don't get why. However, at some point on Raw, admittedly, I didn't look when. I just saw that apparently this quote is from this. The Rock like buries Hoovy, and I'm like, what? What? Yeah, weird you were timing. saying that. Because he's talking to Chris Jericho, and it's like you were losing to Hooventude Guerrera. First of all, shut up. Hoovy's great. It's funny. I had heard about like that insult like, like before we started this podcast, and now I'm like, no, Hoovy's good. Why? Like. You know, shit on Lenny and Lodi. What are you... Right. Jericho fought a lot of lesser people. Yeah, he fought fucking Bobby Duncan Jr. on... I mean, he won. But he fought <laughs> him on pay-per-view for some fucking reason. Yeah, like, there are other people that you could bury. Rock. Who are you? I mean, he's, 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 he's the Rock. Who does he think he is? Who did he ever beat? <laughs> did he ever go against Hooventude? He has no idea. 
you know, tell me he has him as No, I was going to say, I'm like, like, I know Hoovy does join the WWE roster as part He's of the Mexicans. He's not going up against The Rock. The Rock has weirdly faced and lost to a bunch of random people. I've done showing this. He's lost to the Hurricane. The Rock did? Yeah. Wow. Okay, Shane Helms, not McMahon. I was going to say, like, what? Anyway, um, yeah, we weren't really sure what to make of that, but they go to commercial shortly thereafter. Back from commercial, Hoovy hits a head scissors, but Kidman hits a power slam. Psychosis just kind of misses his cue to interfere at one bit, because Kidman has to kind of stall, but Psychosis holds Kidman, who gets knocked off the apron. He then holds Kidman on the floor, and Hoovy tries to dive, but... Man, it's the one thing they didn't want to happen. How could this happen? And and Kidman ducks, so Hoovy only hits Psychosis. So Kidman ends up back inside and then dives onto the two. We get a wheelbarrow bulldog from Hoovy back in the ring, and then he goes up top for some sort of splash, but Kidman counters a top rope dive with a dropkick. Kidman tries for a powerbomb. We're like, wait, hold on, sorry, what? <laughs> I know. That was really confusing <laughs> when he went for the powerbomb. Yeah, I was like, it's like, hold on. I'm questioning everything. <laughs> what if Hoovy just pulled out the face buster? No, Kidman turns the powerbomb into a face buster. How? Like, That'd be amazing. Like, like he rotates him up and then just kind of like, like, like a front alley-oop. He just like throws him up and then slams him face down. That'd be great. Like a pizza. Like you twirl him up and then you go, bam. Someone's going to get annoyed at me for not knowing this wrestler's name. It's like Primo Luigi or something. It's it's Primo Luigi? And his entire gimmick is during the match, he's spinning pizza dough and like slaps people with oh, it. Oh, I love that. I figured you would. <laughs> Let's find that. He was on AEW apparently. People were like, what the fuck? Oh, AEW's dead. It's like, have some fun. What are you doing? AEW is not dead. How dare you? Maybe, maybe he'll wrestle on. Uh, if he shows up at the show that we're going to, I'm going to scream. If there's just a dude flipping pizza, oh my god, biggest fan. I love you. Oh, and um, just while we're on the topic, I know we mentioned that we're going earlier, but we are going to be on like a balcony seat, like the front one, so we could hang a banner down. So you, if you have any f- fun thoughts for a sign, let us know. <laughs> Matthew, we're coming for Botchamania. Oh my god. Anyway, this is still a match. This is actually a good match, too. It is a good match. Why we're stalling for this. Yeah, so Kidman tries for powerbomb, but the two trade counters until Hoovy hits a reverse DDT. You know what it is? It's a good match, but it's exactly what you expect from Hooventu Guerrera and Billy Kidman. It's a good duo. Yeah, it, it, I accuse Booker T and Canyon of being Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler. Well, this, who better than Canyon, Nick? Well, I was going to say, this, this, might be, uh, this might be kind of the same vein. Who better than Canyon? Nobody. Hoovy misses a 450, and Kidman hits a sky high, which I want to give a Kidman name. I'm just giving it D'Lo Brown's name. But oh. And Kidman knocks Psychosis off the apron. Kidman goes up top for the shooting star press, but Ray comes down and like accidentally distracts the ref. I'm like, what were you going for here, Ray? Yeah, I was a little confused at his presence ringside. So Psychosis stops Kidman from hitting the move, and Hoovy grabs Kidman off the top turnbuckle and turns that into a Hoovy driver for the win. I don't like how he gestures for the Hoovy driver. It's very phallic. It is. Post-match, the faces just be done the heels and get their heat back. I was like, oh, okay. So it didn't feel like it Hoobie gained anything. It became a brawl, yeah, no. Yeah, I literally wrote, good match as expected, but we've seen this a lot. We've seen this a lot. And then the fact that it ends with a brawl just kind of minimizes it. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't bored I'm not this. mad about this pairing. Like, it's still a good match. I love me some cruiserweights. But let's change it up a little bit. I think we're getting spoiled a little bit. I mean, minus Brad Armstrong versus Kurt Hennig, it's like, we're not getting a lot of, like, doomed or bad matches no, lately. not at all. And even that one, like, served a purpose where, like, yeah. they're, well, I'd say they're trying to push Brad Armstrong, but they had him lose. But, like, <laughs> they're trying to highlight him at least. I don't really like what they're, well, 
I don't really understand what they're trying to do with the Armstrongs between this and Berlin and... I don't know. But, like, you're right. We've had a good stretch of episodes where it's not like I want to die. I can't remember the last time we sat in here and we were, like, hysterical by the end. Yeah. It's been a while and we are spoiled by that. I know it's coming. I know it'll be back. If anything, it's just more like quick, ridiculous segments because we're, we're sitting up for one of those when we go backstage. Uh, Moses Park, Sid's car in spot 22. I don't know about you. And literally in the same shot, you see the tow truck pulling up. After that, we then get our Owen Hart tribute match. It is Bret Hart versus Chris Benoit. Really felt myself like tone my voice down a little bit. Like, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, which and things are going to get real serious. Yeah, commentary does also kind of do the same thing where it's like, okay, no, no, like, like let's all focus on this. You know, we're not plugging the next hour. We're not doing anything like that. We get the special ring announcer for this match, which is Harley Race, who I didn't know anything about him. Apparently, he's a friend of the Hearts. I'm familiar with Harley Race, just like. As like a wrestling icon, not so much his general work. Yeah. But not a lot of oomph in his voice for, no. the, uh, for the announcements. Which like, I don't know if I wanted oomph. This is a really solemn match. So like, I wanted more than what he gave, but I didn't need it to be, you know, super grandiose. Part of the issue I had with Harley Race is at this point when I see Harley Race and especially when it's in an Owen Hart context... I think of Owen Hart's rib on the entire roster in relation to Harley Race. Oh. I know I've mentioned this to you before, and there somebody probably talks about it way better in some sort of uh, shoot interview. But the short version is when the WWF roster was in Kansas City, they'd have to go kind of pay tribute to Harley Race. It'd be a big barbecue kind of thing. Oh, you have told me about this. Yeah, yes. he makes chili for everybody. And Owen, for lack of a better term, spiked the chili with the hottest hot sauce he could find. <laughs> So everyone's dying, but you you can't disrespect the legend. So you got to eat the chili. Yeah. So oh my God. Harley found out about it like when, when they came back, like shook his hand and then hit it with a stun gun. <laughs> he Scott hauled him. God damn it! It's a good prank. I, 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 I guess I don't know how wholesome a story can be if it ends with a man being hit by a stun gun for real. It's it's wholesome in the wrestling world. Like yeah. this is very light. This is funny. But I managed to make Emily annoyed by bringing up any sort of stun gun. Yeah. You get easily triggered by a stun gun now. I really do. But there's a match here. Mike today joins commentary just to kind of, I guess, call moves. I don't really. It's kind of what his his purpose used to be, where it's like, okay, cruiserweight match, like provide context, history, yeah. lore. While this is a serious match, Bobby Heenan does get a couple of like quips in. It, it's nothing offensive. It's I will nothing know. offensive. It was one of those of like, stop making me laugh during this because you're actually yeah, exactly. being funny. One of the first ones that I took note of was like after Harley Race announced everyone, Mike and Tony were lauding Harley for like his introduction. And Bobby's just like, yeah, I thought that was Michael Buffer. <laughs> he said it better than that, but you know what I mean. He's like, that wasn't Buffer? Pretty much, yeah. So Benoit comes out in a signed Owen Hart shirt. Yeah, which is nice. I'm I'm going to get it out of the way. I, I mean, I, I enjoyed this match. Every now and again, it, it was a little distracting that Chris Benoit, of all people, was in this match. And I understand at the time why it was Chris Benoit. Oh, I mean, he was the right choice. But, but history has really tainted this match. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah, it, it just there's a few lines from commentary that hit weirdly close to home with Benoit as well, and I'm just like, like I managed to like kind of I started like to just tuning it out because I'm yeah. like this is a good match and you just need to enjoy it for what it is. But which is how we try to watch any Chris Benoit match, watch it for what it's, it is. It's usually not a problem. You're right. It's usually not a problem, but sometimes, especially in a match like this, yeah, this is a match that should be. You know, in history, like, if if there were history books for wrestling, this should be in history books. This should be studied and, like, 
gone back to memorialized, but because of who it is in the match, I don't feel like it ever yeah. could be. I don't think this will ever get beaten. I, th I think this does hold the record for longest match in the history of Nitro. Which is funny because it didn't feel like the longest match. Uh, and I have watched Hogan matches that feel significantly longer than this. Fair. Um, it did go through two commercial breaks, so it ended up being 27 minutes in total. Wow. It really didn't feel like that no. long. So Benoit and Brett hug before the match. They trade holds to start. And I was like, I don't think you're going to be able to call a lot, a lot of those matches because it's like, it's, you know, counters and counters and counters and it's... Well, very hold base for the first half. It does I mean, pick up a little bit. These two guys are known for their holds. Yeah. Lots of switching and jockeying for position. Brett hits a Russian leg sweep. Then it's a knee to the gut of a running Benoit. I heard you like gasp for it. Oh, You're yeah. Like, Hart works over Benoit on the corner, and Benoit hits a single hard chop to Brett. And I was like, gee, oof. And then Brett hits a DDT, and then a Brett's rope elbow drop. For the two of these guys being so hold based, I feel like you were kind of afraid that I was going to hate this match because I like the fast paced, flippy. Big stuff like that. I actually really enjoyed this match. It, it did something for me. Like, I don't know. They, ha they have a good rhythm between the holds and the fast pace and then the holds. And the holds are never too long. Like, that's my issue with, like, bear hug, bear hug holds. Yeah. They're too long. This didn't feel like it was, like, okay, we're, are we still doing this? Like, come on. Yeah. Give it up. I did have the realization if I ever, like, if I ever wanted to secretly torture you, I would throw on the Brett and Sean Iron Man match for <laughs> WrestleMania 12, which is an hour-long Iron Man match. Oh, I'd just fall asleep. <laughs> you know, that, I, that's probably right. I'd just go to sleep. Fall... <laughs> I'd get on my phone, I'd scroll Twitter, and I'd fall asleep. We'll just watch that every night now. That's your new, um, you know. <laughs> that's my bedtime routine. Yeah. After the elbow drop, Benoit rolls through a pin and turns the kick out into a Boston Crab in a very like Samoa Joe type move. He'll usually hit like a power bomb first, but it's like that high angle pin turned into the high angle Boston Crab. We get a back body drop to Brett and then a backbreaker from Benoit. They go to commercial and back from commercial. Benoit hits an elbow drop and misses a second. Brett headbutts Benoit's stomach and then we get a suplex from Brett with a big grunt and then a backbreaker. If we were like other podcasts and did grunt of the night, that would be it. Yeah. We keep an eye out for it every now and again. I'm just like... Do we... Oh, yeah. We'll never steal it, but we notate it. I know Adam likes being sent grunts, so maybe we oh, need to send this one to yeah. him. Unfortunately, the, the, the best one I've ever heard, he's already gotten, which uh, it was in our watching SmackDown. I don't even know what episode it is, but Undertaker gets attacked backstage by Brock Lesnar, and his hand gets hit with some sort of, like, propane tank or something. And it's like a... Bah! like a dog <laughs> like he does, he does like six in a row and it's like i'm like i don't know if i can send this to him because this is the peak this is it it's never gonna get better than this <laughs> oh man brett works over the midsection of benoit with a stomp and then tries for a backbreaker but benoit counters it into a tombstone which owen used i don't know if that was meant to be a tribute to him or i what. would imagine so yeah it, people just randomly break out tombstones as well like sting used one for a while too and just like i never know I'm like, when does this attribute to somebody or, like, I know sometimes people would do it and then we get yelled at in WWF, like, no, 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 you don't do you that. You can't have that. That's that's not yours. Benoit follows that up with another with a bridging Northern Light suplex, which is another move that was like, I did, that, what's yeah, that one called? I did notate that. I did like that one a lot. We get a hard shot from Benoit and Brett dodges a drop kick. We get a rough looking back suplex from Brett, which drops Benoit pretty much on his head. I think that head drop is one that commentary made note of, like, oh, they dropped him on his head. Like, oh, what a massive move. And we're both like, <laughs> Benoit dodges a Brett attack and Brett crashes into the ropes. Benoit then hits a dive to the outside. We then get a second commercial break and back from it. Benoit counters a Brett suplex from the apron. 
and the two trade pin attempts. Benoit counters a European uppercut into a backslide in a nice little spot. I was like, ooh, okay. That, like, makes sense how you would do that. It was a nice kind of smooth counter. Brett hits a swinging neck breaker and then an atomic drop and sets Benoit up for a superplex. Benoit headbutts Brett to get away, but then Brett manages to run up the ropes and hit a superplex anyway. Brett tries for the sharpshooter, but Benoit counters it into a crossface. A nice little smooth transition. That was smooth. But Brett gets the ropes. Benoit hits triple snap suplexes and then signals for the diving headbutt and hits it, but takes too long to pin Hart. Brett counters an Irish whip with a back elbow and then hits a pile driver, but Benoit gets his foot on the ropes. Benoit counters a back suplex and then chops Brett hard and then tries for triple German suplexes, but the third one is stopped. Brett tries for a suplex of his own, but Benoit tries to counter into a crossface attempt. For lack of a better term, Brett just wrestles Benoit on the ground <laughs> into position for a mm-hmm. sharpshooter. Like, does not stand to do it, but he goes from the ground and gets it in. Yeah. Locks in the sharpshooter and gets the win. It was it was real down and dirty in a really good in way. In a good way. Yeah. This actually felt like wrestling. These are guys that were trained the same way using their skills that they had learned. Yeah, but because yeah, both, both these guys were trained in the Hart Family Dungeon. You say which, the dungeon? Is that in Legion? Emily, it's a basement. No, <laughs> this is at least a place. <laughs> WWF managed to kill a lot of the mystique because there was an Owen Hart match against either Ken Shamrock or Steve Blackman or one of them. Oh, I and, love Steve. And I love Ken Shamrock. But they're like, cool, we're going to do a match in the dungeon. And they went there and it's like, it's just a basement with a couple mats. <laughs> it was like, okay, I don't know what I pictured, but it's just, you know. <laughs> You know, it's a basement that was clearly built in, like, the 60s. Yeah, so it's a little dark and dingy, but it's a basement. Like wood paneling everywhere. Oh, no. no. Don't, please. I'm triggered by wood paneling now. The amount of houses we looked at this week that had wood paneling on them, I just, oh, I can't. Okay, we looked at, like, on the internet. On Zillow, yeah. But still. Anyway. But no, this was a really good, real match. It didn't feel choreographed it didn't feel super over planned i bet there was a little bit of like planning prior obviously but you even said that bret hart had a bit of an issue with winning yeah when he pitched this whole thing he was like i want this i want this or this and like i want ben water win and there was agreed to everything except the last one and i mean I, I get it i think brett should win this i get it yeah i agree it's just hard. It, if that's what he wants, like this is all for him. Yeah, I mean, literally, unless he's going off into the sunset, I feel like. Yeah. But yeah, the two hug post match. I'm torn because part of me wishes this had a little bit more of a story going into it. Maybe, maybe be even better. But it might lose yeah. some of the mystique. Like it's a weird. This was not supposed to be part of the story. This oh, no, is its no. own thing. I know. I. This is all for own. Maybe I should just say. Now I want to see these two like have a feud yeah, so they can sure. have more matches. Yeah, no, that's fair. But no, this was very, very good. I do not think I could have done this if I was Brett. No. Being in the exact same ring in the the exact same spot that your brother died less than a year ago. I remember you saying, if he looks up, I'm going to lose it. Oh, yeah. I absolutely did because I was waiting for him. He does do the like look up to heaven sort of thing at the end. But I was afraid of when he got in the ring, he would look up to the rafters. Not to heaven, to rafters. And that would have killed me. I would have absolutely broken down. I know Brett would sometimes show up later than most. So I wonder if he kind of, if he showed up earlier and kind of walked through the arena or anything or. Had his own moment. Yeah. I, 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 you How know, can you not? I, I, would you want to? I wouldn't want to be here. Yeah. Like that's the whole thing in itself. Like the fact that he is here and doing this match, period, I can't imagine doing. I would have, I would have told Eric Bischoff or whoever the power that be is, I'll see you next week. 
not me not now so like power to him kudos to him i guess for doing it but i i really hope this man got therapy (laughs) god well emily used a phrase that i want you to keep in the back of your brain i don't know when it'll show back up but uh the powers that be Oh, no. That phrase uh, will will eventually mean something in this company. Oh, God. We do a hard shift in our next segment. It's a Mean Gene interview with Ric Flair. I mean, how do you transition out of that? And before Rick says anything, because we were ready for a mean woo by God Gene, uh, Hulk Hogan just fucking comes out. Why? No one invited you. Also comes out in a knee brace. But the knee brace doesn't really seem to be stopping his knee. He doesn't limp. He doesn't favor it. He's just walking, brother. So this is a weird fucking promo. Hogan puts over Flair, who actually does most of the talking, and says the DDP is at the bottom of the food chain. And then, almost forcibly, they seem to be trying to put each other over more than the other person. It became like a battle of who loves who more. Yeah. They were doing each other's gimmicks. Hogan was doing the strut. And did Brett did Brett start this last week with his "You're the great, you're the best." Maybe honestly, yeah. But watching Hogan do the strut, Flair saying "Say your prayers and eat your vitamins," it's fucking weird. I hate it. Well, and Hogan feels phony. And Hogan's like, you know, Rick, maybe you'll show me how to put on the figure four. And I'm like, I'd fucking (laughs) I'd love to see Hogan do a figure four. No, that's too much wrestling for Hogan. No, I want to see him do the step over and then go. Uh, yeah, that's too much wrestling. For do Hogan. What, he doesn't wrestle. He do stands what pretty much every fan did, where they went, "Oh shit, what? Um, okay, I'm here now. What?" You do that to like you do that to me every time you try to put me in a figure four. You get to one spot, and that's why I started doing the Shawn Michaels inverted figure four. Yes, exactly. It's a lot easier. I wonder why Shawn Michaels does it. To be fair, at least I never did it on television like The Miz. <laughs> yeah, I'm true. like, oh god, how do you do it? I guess wrong. So Flair has to prompt Hogan to tear his shirt at one bit. It doesn't even start well. I'm like, no, this because is he just doesn't weird. have. Usually Hogan has that notch cut to like start it tearing a little bit easier. He didn't have the notch cut this time, so it, ha- it was a bit of a struggle for a second. My summary for this promo was two men aggressively agreeing with each other against their will. <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty much it. Ugh, I hate it. We then go backstage, and Sid is there, and Sid sees the empty number twenty-two parking spot, and he gets very excited. Yeah. What does he think happened? Does he think that he got Goldberg's car towed away and yes. flattened? Yeah. He is completely unaware okay. that his car got taken because okay. last he saw, it was Goldberg's car there. He didn't see Goldberg leave. Oh, true. Okay. But good thing he didn't call Goldberg out because Goldberg, was, you know, left like an hour ago. True. Yeah. Goldberg left early tonight. We then go to DDP versus Buff Bagwell. DDP kisses Kimberly on his way out, and it's like, okay, it does seem weird that she's being involved in stories more and more. Once again, no Nitro Girls. Yeah. DDP cuts his usual promo, and then Buff comes out, cuts a promo on DDP, saying he's going to two-time, two-time, two-time kick his ass. They brawl at ringside to start. DDP tries for a power slam back inside, but Buff slips out and hits a running bulldog. DDP hits a unique, like, under-shoulder breaker. It It was a move I haven't really seen before. There was a point during the very beginning of this match where Nick just under his breath mumbled, kill him <laughs> about buff. You know, I'm not even aware. I'm not even sure I was conscious of doing that. <laughs> I thought it was funny. DDP hits a bang, bang elbow drop and, and then locks in a sleeper. Buff gets out and hits a clothesline, some punches and a swing neck breaker. He then goes up top for the blockbuster, but DDP holds onto the ropes. So buff crashes at the mat. Buff counters diamond cutter, but then DDP floats over and then hits the diamond cutter for the win. It's a pretty slick move there. It was pretty slick. This was not a long match. 
No, it was fun enough. It was good enough. It was good for the length that it was. They've kind of laid the groundwork before, but I think they're now going to really start kind of doing the the diamond cutter can come out of anywhere. Like basically, yeah, it's basically the RKO gimmick before the RKO gimmick, right? Which is good. Like that's a good gimmick. Which is even funnier to me because it's the same move basically. Yeah, I think uh, Randy's been watching some TV. Well, to be fair, I think even DDP stole the diamond cutter from from John Laurinaitis. I always forget that John Laurinaitis was a wrestler. Yeah, Johnny Ace. I hate that man. As the Ace Crusher. No, I hate that man. Well, speaking of men you hate, let's go to our main event. It's main event time. It's not Michael Buffer time, though. But, but it, it is the total package and no. Sting with Liz versus Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. I will not be calling him the total package. Total package. Nope. So, so we actually got annoyed at first because the total package comes out and does not pose on the ramp at all. And no, we're like, his whole gimmick to me is that he is a mindless robot that just goes in the middle of a space and poses in lights. Like, that's it. And he comes out in a tank top and sweatpants. And yeah. we're like, what the fuck? You're and looking then, a lot like Lex Luger. Sorry, who was that? The guy that came down the ramp. <laughs> but the total package gets in the ring and has tearaway pants and a tearaway shirt. I'm like, I fucking love it. 10 and out of 10. just like that. He got into Nick's boy stable. No, he's won a title. He can't be a boy. Oh, whatever. So we agreed on this. We did get a slightly different theme from Sting. It felt sped up a little bit, but I think they also like cut out the opening. Oh, yeah. So everybody's theme coming down to the ring felt like they put it on like 1.25 speed. Well, They we, were running out of time. Yeah, Hogan sounded right. It was, no, it, it didn't. It, it also okay. felt a little sped up. Yeah. I, I noted it. Because it also started later in the song, a lot like the other these other ones. Also, we're not sure if it actually was, but it sounded like there were more drums for Sting's theme. But maybe, it was, but maybe it was because it started later, so we're used to it like building up more. Maybe, yeah, that's true. So Hogan comes out, runs to the ring, and I'm like, "Don't you have a knee injury, asshole?" Right. Everyone brawls. Flair and Sting get in the ring. Tony then plugs a Bret Hart post-match interview for Thunder, and I'm like, "Okay, you, 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 like you couldn't help yourself. You you really tried to keep this thing pure, and then you're like." Oh, but tune into Thunder. Monetize to, that shit, baby. Yeah. Flair and Sting do their Flair and Sting thing, which, you know, is always pretty good. Yeah. Flair goes up top and hits a five-star frog splash. No, he tries to go up, though, you jerk. He does try to go up the rope, but he gets, like, caught and pulled down. What? <laughs> no, he's that not doing a frog happened. splash. Nicholas. Total package hits elbow drops for about a full minute. Like, it was a long while. I really did tune out a bit of this match because who'd care? I, and there was also no time left. It was so quick and it was just like, it'll be over soon. Well, I, I had to rewind to show you this spot where Flair tries for his turnbuckle spot and when he flips up, like, kicks the camera I and then just rotates that. back down because the spot he would go is where the cameraman is. I always love when production gets fucked up because of wrestling. <laughs> I think that's fun. Yeah, we're like this match is just building for a Hogan hot tag, and I'm kind of wondering because I know his knee has been an issue before. Like, is this a shoot knee injury? Because he's not in this match for most of it. And like, maybe are you just trying to get to Halloween Havoc and then you're taking some time off? Does he take time off after Halloween Havoc? I don't know. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he is an old man. Like, well, you wouldn't be upset either. I wouldn't be upset, but I wouldn't be surprised. But like, if you're gonna have a knee injury, have a knee injury. Don't just put a brace on and pretend. Well, I swear he's had a knee injury. Like, literally, he got surgery for a leg injury and then came back. It's like, yeah, I still have a knee injury. I'm like, what did you do then? Did you get the surgery or not, Terry? So Sting and Package work over Flair until Flair gets his knees up for a Sting Splash. Not a Stinger Splash. Different moves. Oh, really? Well, this is <laughs> a Stinger Splash in the corner. This is just a Sting and then lowercase Splash. Ah, okay. 
Sure. Got it. <laughs> it's a splash done by Sting. It's not a Stinger splash. Sure, 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 sure. Different thing. Sure, sure, sure. We get a hot-ish tag to Hogan. Hits very basic offense. And then we get a clusterfuck of an ending. DDP yep. runs out. He pushes a diamond cutter attempt into the total package. Total package Ooh, can't sure. see. Low blows DDP, thinking it's Flair. And then locks in a torture rack on DDP. Thinking it's Flair. Not seeing that it's not Flair at any point in this. So I missed why Luger is blind. So did I. And I did oh, okay, not care cool. enough to go back and look. Fair. Does it matter? No, but I would just it would make a little bit more sense. Honestly, I'm just willing to embrace the concept of him being a big, dumb fucking meathead. Yes. We then get the Hogan, you know, end sequence to Sting, you know, big bootleg drop pin. And I don't know what the hell this match was or was trying to it be. It was unnecessary is what it was. I'm not even sure it knew what it wanted to be. It was just yeah. like, let's get these four massive guys in the ring all at once. This was basically just a seven minute ad for Halloween Havoc, I guess. I mean, that's what you know the show is designed sure, to be. Sure, but... but this didn't have any other weight other than tune in for Halloween Havoc. Where you'll see Flair not face Luger. Oh shit, I did it. Oh damn. What? We then end our show going backstage and um, Sid goes to grab his keys from Moses and he's like, it's not a man. 22. 22? What? Goldberg? And then we end with some great why me's. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't and, quite understand the why me. You know what? I'm just going to play it because it, it's folklore at this point. It's folklore. 22! I didn't get why he was lamenting the why me. Why I, don't, me? I don't know. It just feels like a victim, I guess. I don't know. Oh, yes. Sid Vicious is the victim. Okay. And that's and that's it for Nitro. What a what a match. What a, what a night. What a show. What a time to be alive. Thoughts on the show as a whole? Again, not as bad as it could have been. Not as bad as it has been. It's a filler show, I feel. We have so much build to Halloween Havoc. Like It's a filler. Like It's a good filler, but it's filler. Yeah, I think these shows keep being hurt by the fact that the main event is underwhelming. So when we're done, it's just like, okay, cool. It, like, it just leaves a, not a bad taste in your mouth, just kind of like a... A forgettable. Yeah. Forgettable it, taste. It's like you just had water with your meal. It's like, okay, yeah. I mean, it, it, it'll work, but... Yeah, it's fine. It was some nice cold ice water. Like It it, it got the job done. Yeah. But yeah, this was a uh, fairly good show. As, as again, the last few have been, It's it just feels like a calm before the storm. <laughs> We're just trudging there slowly. It's like we're walking to our own funerals. Well, maybe. See, my issue is I'm like, oh, God, we're going to get to Vince Russo and you're going to like it. I'm ready. I like I am going into it with such low expectations and such high expectations of fuckery and like bad that I might enjoy it. I know there's some fuckery, at least on the first episode. I don't know how much, but I know there's one like notable like Vince Russo calling card on the first episode. The ridiculousness of of wrestling bothers you still to this to this day in certain extents. You have built wrestling up to be such a cluster of a, of a of a sport of a show of everything it is carny to me now so if we can focus on that i'm in all right we'll, i'm we'll, in we'll we'll see I've, yeah let's, i've really let's like done save my best this and play it back when i like yeah. i'm gonna die yeah i would definitely be be holding this against you later if needed i'm ready for the fuckery that's it. Let's move into best B and MVP. I'm wondering if we're going to have identical ones for this. This seems to be a no-brainer. Emily, what's your best bit? The Brett and Benoit match. Agreed. And who's your MVP? Brett. 
Yeah. Obviously. Yep, that was an easy one. Uh, any honorable mentions for, I guess, either? The Dean and Ray match was good, obviously. Like, we, they were they were good. They were never going to be bad. The same thing with the Hooventude and Kidman match. Never going to be bad. I know you love the, like, the car scene. Like, you were so excited for this car scene, so I figured that would be one of your honorables. Yeah, just just the, la- the last one, because just, like, I just want to splice that with a clip of, see that there? Acting. <laughs> Acting. <laughs> it's really the why me's that sell it. Yeah, because Sid's just ridiculous, but we only have two more shows until Halloween Havoc, and we only have one more standing in between us. Oh, my God. And Mr. Russo. Oh, my God. We're getting there. Admittedly, the upcoming schedule is going to be a little bit of a mess. Yeah. As of recording this, the most recent episode is out. So we are going to have to edit this. And we're going to have to record the next few episodes. Because we don't really know when we'll be moving into our new house and get anything set up for that. So we're going to stockpile a few episodes. So bear with us. This is going to be some moving pains, some growing pains. But it'll be for the better. Yeah. And hopefully... It will not interfere with the release schedule at all. Just bear with our memories on some of this because <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to get a little. Our foggy. plan is, is to record through Halloween Havoc and then we're going to take a break, which seems like a good kind of reset point. Yeah, we're calling that our um, our season finale. No, the that's the season premiere. Right. Yes, you've, you've corrected me on that before. But until the October 11th episode, which I know nothing about the last Nitro. As mentioned, we're going to at least watch the last Thunder before Russo. I don't know if there will be anything really to talk about. It might just be a good snarky watch. Yeah. But I don't really know anything that happened to that. What you just realized, they didn't really tease any matches for that next week either. No, they're only teasing for Halloween Havoc. This build is too long. Well, I'm saying a few weeks ago, they were like, hey, next week, it's like, here's oh, two matches. True. Although I guess they didn't really hype up anything for this week going yeah, into it. I can't remember. They might. They might have. But until you figure out what the hell's on that, as well as we do, you can follow us on Twitter at Butts in the Pod and Instagram at the same handle and on Facebook at the Butts in the Seats Podcast. And then listen to all of our back catalog on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Keep an eye out on the Instagram. We got our engagement photos back, and there's a fun little wrestling Easter egg in there for you guys that I'm going to post. Because admittedly, I scheduled last episode to release without telling Emily when it was coming out. Yeah, Nick just does this thing where he just texts me in the middle of the day while I'm at work and he's working from home. Oh, yeah, the episode's up. And I'm like, I knew we'd do that for this oh, one. Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> oh, and I just realized you, you didn't give honorable mentions to Scott Hall and Kevin Asher MVP. Oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't. That's, that's so weird. Hmm. But I imagine we'll see them again next week. And who knows what's going to happen with any of that. But until then, thank you for listening to the Butts in the Seats podcast. Bye.